Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a National Parks podcast. In 2015, we quit our jobs to visit all of the U.S. national parks in one year. And ever since, we have been obsessed with all things National Park Service. This is week eight of a 62-week tour of virtually revisiting a new national park each week through a podcast episode and in-depth guide on switchbackkids.com. We hope you learn something new and get inspired because the national parks are for everyone. Today, we're headed to the Canadian border to Glacier National Park. Elizabeth. So we know that Glacier was the eighth national park, but did you know that it was also half of the Waterton Glacier International Peace Park, which was the world's first international peace park? I did know that. Established in 1932. I I always try to find fun facts that you don't know. Because, I know it because my family actually went to Glacier twice when we were kids, and once was to Waterton Lakes, uh, which is the accompanying Canadian National Park. Uh, so, And we took a boat ride into, like, that dipped into Glacier on one of those lakes. But it was super cool to learn that. And still, when you look at all the designations of the National Park Service... There is only one international peace park, so that's yeah. Cool. I think it's I think it's cool. It's just a cool symbol of like the continuity of the of nature it doesn't know borders, you know. So the mountain range doesn't stop at the at the U.S. border. So having that unity and kind of mutual agreement to preserve the area is uh, it's a nice it's a nice. Uh, Nice thing for two countries to do. Yeah, maybe someday we'll get one with Mexico. It's maybe, <laughs> hopefully. That would be nice. Uh, okay, so Glacier National Park, a lot to get into. It's one of the crown jewels of the National Park Service. But first, let's start with an overview. So what is it most known for? Sure. So, of course, it's called Glacier National Park, but it actually is not named for the glaciers inside it. It's named for the glaciers that formed it. So the glaciers and the glacial forces that kind of shaped the topography of the area. But it also has quite a few glaciers in the park. So where there used to be over 100 glaciers about 100 years ago, uh, today, there are 26 rapidly receding glaciers in the park. And we'll touch on a little bit of that later. Uh, but it also has tons of lakes because of all that, uh, gl- those glaciers and snow. It has lakes. It has over 700 total, 130 of them named. It also has tons of waterfalls. And then one of the most famous things in the park is the Going to the Sun Road. Uh, named after going to the Sun Mountain, and it's a famous scenic drive. Um, even though it's closed for the majority of the year, it opens and is is flooded with people in summer. Uh, and it was, you know, it cuts, it bisects the park. Um, started in about nineteen thirty something. Um, so yeah, that's that's one thing that people always think of about the park. Yeah, and the other cool thing is that it's home to a to the a, a mountain called Triple Divide Peak, named after it at, after its kind of triple 
continental divide. So waters from this mountain uh, go to the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and the Arctic Ocean. So it's a uh, it's it's a very rare thing to have a triple continental divide like that. And then you also have, it's also known for how many people it gets. It's been, you know, especially over the last, you know, few years, flooded with more and more visitors, including 3 million in 2019. But the visitors aren't the only people there or only only things there. Um, it's known finally for the wildlife and, you know, some amazing wildlife along with the natural scenery that includes um, 60 different kinds of mammals. So it has a huge diversity of mammals in particular and that itself includes 300 Grizzly bears. It's the biggest population of grizzly bears in the lower 48. Yeah, so there's a ton of stuff in Glacier to get into, and we will. Uh, But first, let's go back just a little bit. So into Glacier's history, the history of uh, establishing the park and the people who live there. So originally, Glacier was home to several different Native American groups, but most notably was the Blackfeet. And today the park is adjacent to a large Blackfeet reservation um, and they kind of controlled the area until around the 1870s. Um, In the mid-1800s, early white settlers began coming into the area for homesteading. And this one guy named George Bird Grinnell, which you might know the name Grinnell because there's a lot of stuff at the park (laughs) named after him. Uh, He first visited the area in 1885 and just fell in love and kept trying to visit every year, go back and back and back, and uh, really was fundamental in swaying the public and promoting some of the legislation that that, uh, would eventually create the park. He also was famous for calling Glacier the crown of the continent, which is still kind of known today. Yeah, that's a cool moniker. Uh, And then finally, President Taft signed the bill that made the area a national park in 1910. So he did a couple other things besides get stuck in a bathtub. (laughs) And shortly after, the National Park Service was created in 1916. And we'll be getting into that just very soon on the podcast. We've, we've, you know, we've had the first 30, 40 years or so of the of national parks that we've gotten into so far in the first eight parks. So we went through the overview and the history. Now let's get into visiting the park. So how to visit the park? First of all, when to visit, seasonal considerations. Uh, it's really a clash of two different climates at Glacier. You have the warm, wet Pacific air versus the cool, dry Arctic air meeting in the park and causing, at times, some really extreme weather. Um, Also, this mix causes a relatively short visiting season. Sometimes the park road, going to the sun road, isn't even open until, you know, late in the summer, even into July. Um, So, really, the best option is for visiting is summer, and uh, and fall. 
Yeah, which makes it pretty crowded at times. So you want to have a plan. It's a huge park. It's around a million acres. Uh, there are some very long drive times within the park. So you really, and several entrances. So you want to really plan out your layout ahead of time. As far as getting there, uh, there are, it's not very close to many large airports. There are smaller airports in Kalispell, Montana and Great Falls, Montana, where you can access it. So it's located again in Northwestern Montana, pretty far away from everything. Yeah, and if you think of, you know, if you look at the park and the map, to me it looks like a diving sperm whale. Um, So just picture that and you'll have it. (laughs) But really there are two main entrances, the entrance near Lake McDonald. Yeah, the Apgar area. Yep, Apgar Visitor Center is what's there, and then the St. Mary uh, entrance and visitor center on the west, the eastern side. So the Apgar is west, St. Mary is east, but there are also a few other areas. The southeastern area uh, is known as Two Medicine Lake or the Two Medicine area, um, and then the northwestern area is what you get around Pole Bridge and Bowman Lake and is much, much less traveled and a little less mountains. So that's... Yeah, so there are yeah. definitely some ways to avoid the crowds and that would be to go to some of those less visited areas of the park, um, n- you know, not centered around going to the Sun Road, which is obviously the most popular area. But to get around, there are some options. Um, Amtrak goes right to like we'll drop you off right at the the park entrance which is pretty unique wow um the there's also a park shuttle within the park so having a car is really nice um to have flexibility but the park shuttle in runs in the summer and it's free and it has about 17 stops at a lot of major areas you can also use that for hiking so you can hike point to point on several trails without having to backtrack, which is very nice. Oh yeah, connect back to the road. I like that. There's also a specific hiker shuttle that's offered by the uh, Glacier National Park Lodges, but that costs money. So just do a little bit of planning. Make a you know have a have a route for where uh, where you're planning on going on what days. And then there's also, you know, just pay attention to the drive times. As Elizabeth said at the beginning, uh, they have all that on the website. You know, whether you're looking to go from St. Mary to Many Glacier, which is a short 30 to 40 minutes, or, you know, West Glacier all the way across going to the sun to St. Mary is more like two to two and a half hours. Um, and that's all getting around on your own. There are, if you're not as comfortable doing that, there are also two private tour operators that run in the park. So you can, you can go that route as well. Um, if you are driving, come coming on your own to the park and you want to make it part of a bigger trip, um, you could, of course, there are some great parks nearby. So of course you can connect it to the Waterton, which is the Canadian area of the, of the kind of connected park. Uh, Bring your passport. Yeah, definitely. Um, There's a few NPS sites in the area. They're not super close. To the west, you have Lake Roosevelt National Recreation Area. 
to the south, Big Hole National Battlefield, and then further to the south is, of course, Yellowstone, and a lot of people do connect those those parks together. Yeah, that's a whole Which big is a, state of Montana away, though. <laughs> it's not close, but there are not a lot of other NPS sites. There are a lot of Montana state parks, so you might want to check those out as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where to sleep then? If you're out, you know, so far away from stuff, you still have some options. Uh, how about seven park lodges? So these vary from motels to luxury lodges, uh, two backcountry chalets, 13 drive-in campgrounds with campfire evening programs, and then, of course, lots of backcountry camping with permits, uh, walk-in permits, uh, ha- about half are set aside for walk-in, uh, and, of course, the others are advanced permits. Um, and then you, in those drive-in campgrounds, some areas like Apgar have cafes, camp stores, and food services. So you're not completely um, out on your own, even though you're, you're, you know, make sure you stock up before you get there. <laughs> Yeah, and of course the nearby cities also have lots of areas, lots of accommodations outside the park, but these were all just in all of your options in the park. There's tons of options. Yeah, and there's some really famous stuff too, like Many Glacier Hotel. Um, Those chalets are, you know, that would be something just so cool to do. I think one of them is Sperry Chalet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's two, so there's two backcountry chalets. Uh, one is called Sperry and one is called Granite Peak. They're they're each about six to seven mile hike away from the nearest trailhead. Um, but from there, you can, um, it, they, they say it's a great base for day hiking. So if you plan a multi, you know, multiple nights at these chalets, you can start there and then do shorter hikes from there. Um, so that's definitely on my bucket list. I would love to do that someday. I hear you. So... Our trip was actually not in the prime visiting seasons. I would not say that. It was May 2016. And what did we get up to? So we had three nights, four days in the park. We spent one night up at Bowman Lake Campground, which we talked about was one of the lesser visited areas. Uh, Two nights, then all the way around in in the east area at St. Mary's Campground which was open. I believe it was in primitive status, which the campgrounds go into primitive status. That means their flush toilets are closed. They have vault toilets still, um, but they don't, they don't offer water or anything like that. So that was a little bit more interesting. Still a good time to visit as far as um, some of the views that we saw from the road. Going to the Sun Road was unfortunately closed from the Avalanche area on the west to Logan Pass on the east. So we did have to drive all the way around (laughs) to get to the east side. Um, But we did manage to do some hikes. We hiked Quartz Lake Loop Trail, which was 12 miles. We hiked to Avalanche Lake and we hiked to Grinnell Lake from um, a, a little kayak hike trip. Yeah, so we really felt like we covered a lot of the park because... That Quartz Lake and Bowman Lake were in the northwestern portion. The Avalanche um, Lake area was in the western 
side. So we went into Apgar and as far up going into the sun as we could there. And then, as she said, all the way around the southern portion uh, into the St. Mary's area. And that's and where many, we got in Many well, Glacier. Yeah, the Many and, Glacier area. Yeah, and St. Mary. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah, and some good waterfall hiking that we were able to do and also kayaking was really, really cool. We did a which we'll we'll get into our specific trip a little bit later. Um, but definitely low, low crowds in May. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. We on because we missed out on the road, the you know, the main road, we missed out on tons of hiking. Glacier is definitely a huge hiker's paradise. So we have some unfinished business, I think. Yeah, Glacier. For sure. I do, at least. It was your mm-hmm. third time to the park. So you had, had done a little bit more of the summer hiking than I had. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that just means there's a lot of must-sees in the park. So let's start getting into activities. And first up, must-sees. So as we've talked a lot about going to the Sun Road, it's a must-see uh, just beautiful views the whole time, just driving in your car. Don't have to work very hard for it. Uh, you'll also maybe get some um, mountain goats, you know, herding along the shoulder. We actually had that uh, in our drive, and they were licking all of the salt from our tires. They loved it, or I guess the, the fender. Um Anyway, the, lots of wildlife, lots of waterfalls right off the road. Yeah, also tons of hiking. So like we said, hiking for all ages, all abilities. There's 700 miles of designated trails in the park, Whoa. which is crazy. Um, the High Line Trail, we've just heard over and over and over again how amazing that is. Uh, we loved the hike to Avalanche Lake. The, I've heard the Hidden Lake Overlook is really good, but that's just like barely brushing the surface of how many great hikes there are. So do a little research, do a little planning, find what might be best for you. I also would recommend somehow getting onto the water. We were able to kayak. You can also rent kayaks there. Um, they also have historic boat tours on Lake McDonald, Menning Glacier, Two Medicine, or St. Mary Lake. And these boats have been around for a hundred years. <laughs> So when we say historic boat tours, they are historic boats (laughs) for sure. Uh, But really cool option to get on the lake. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, and then last you have visit one of the historic um, park lodges. So not only the boats are old and cool, but the lodges too. You could go to Lake McDonald, East Glacier, or Many Glacier. Um, That's actually something we didn't do, and I'm surprised because we usually... I think most of them were closed, Still. Oh, really? But yeah. maybe, yeah. We There are, th- I think, 375 um, like facilities, like buildings, historic buildings in the park, which is crazy amount of structures. Um, and because it's such an old national park and they wanted to, you know, they were really trying to attract visitors early, they built a lot of these lodges and buildings and visitor centers and um, and things like that way long ago. So... Really cool history to get into if that's what you're into. So to recap the four must-sees, you have going to the Sun Road, hiking, getting on the water, and checking out a historic park lodge. Yeah, so quickly to get inspired for even more activities, here were some of your favorites that you submitted um, on Instagram. 
So somebody loved the sunrise at Lake McDonald. Hiking to Avalanche Peak early before the crowds arrived. Uh, Someone said it was their first NPS camping experience. Yay! Yay, yeah. Um, Biking, going to the Sun Road before it opened to cars, which we've heard, again, was was a really cool adventure. Great secret. Kayaking on Lake McDonald. The whole many glacier area, especially Grinnell Glacier Trail, someone said. Um, Somebody emphasized getting out onto the water. She said they stand up paddle boarded at Lake McDonald, did a boat tour at Two Medicine Lake. The Highline Trail, um, getting in, someone said getting engaged to her husband, seven miles into our hike up to Grinnell Glacier. Wow. <laughs> Another person said the Highline Trail, kayaking in Lake McDonald. There's some trends here, I think. Um, someone said the most beautiful road in the country, going to the Sun Road. And then I've heard that too. Finally, some I loved this answer because someone just said everything <laughs> the, from the moose at Fisher Cap to hiking Highline to Many Glacier and Slaya, Slaya, Slaya Pass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's so, Saya actually. S i y e h. Oh, um, I must I must have typed that wrong. Um, but yeah, Saya. So tons good. of really cool things that you guys have experienced. This was like. Probably the most results we've gotten. Yeah, from, good list from uh, uh, you guys. If you want to add yours, by the way, on any parks coming up, just uh, hit us up at Switchback Kids. So those are your favorites, and now let's uh, try to pick out a few secrets. I know we've talked about a lot already. So um, first of all, one secret on going to the Sun Road. We just mentioned Saya Bend. Pull out uh, when you pull out uh, at that bend or get there on the shuttle stop. You can do a short 2.5 mile trail up to Preston Park, which is supposedly one of the park's best wildflower meadows. Nice, yeah, because yeah. that's something that we haven't talked about yet wildflowers. Yeah, so pretty short five mile round trip. Next secret. Which we did. We said we would talk about this a little bit more, but we kayaked from uh, Swift Current Lake to Lake Josephine. And you can kind of connect it on... The the two lakes were slightly connected, right? Mm -hmm. So we could kayak the whole thing. It was kind of like rough waters (laughs) on our way back. I think it was pretty windy. Um, but overall, pretty easy kayak. And then from the end of Lake Just Josephine... Just takes a short, short portage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the end of Lake Josephine, we were able to hike just a, a mile or so up to, to Grinnell Lake. So that was a cool option, uh, especially in the spring. Yeah, so that's one way to get on the water, in, and that's in many glacier. And then in uh, another way to get on the water we've mentioned they have shuttle boats and in particular these are nice because they're guided boat tours that you can use as a shuttle boat so these boat tours go out from many glacier and then also to medicine uh, lake and you can use both to go across the water and start your uh, hike with a little head start uh, at Grinnell from Grinnell Lake. You can hike to um, Upper Grinnell Lake with a view of the Gla- Grinnell Glacier, which is 7.6 miles round trip. And then at Two Medicine, after the boat uh, head start, you can go 
up to Twin Falls and then Upper Two Medicine Lake, which is 4.4 miles round trip. So that's a great way to pack in uh, a lot of scenery with uh, fewer miles. And then just to round out the whole park, the whole Northwest area, I would call a secret just because it's so low traffic, Um, not as many uh, not as many mountains, but like really luxurious forest and uh, really peaceful lakes. Great for paddling up there too. If you, again, if you want to get on the water, bring your own uh, boat. Now, getting into some specific activities, um, we there there are so many things available for families uh, and kids, especially. So we'll get into that right now. Um, just endless activities and opportunities for families. So you've got, of course, a junior ranger program. You've got specific ranger programs that are geared towards families and kids that you can attend. There's the APGAR Nature Center, which has engaging hands-on activities. Families can also check out packs, backpacks, um, at either St. Mary Visitor Center, APGAR Visitor Center, which have some more activities in them. There's also specific stargazing with ranger programs, which I think would be super fun for families. Um, There's a tree key online that you can print out to identify different trees, uh, as well as a lot of other like online family activities if you want to look at those ahead of time. And then the, the park recommended several trails that were perfect for kids. So those include the Trail to Cedars, the Rocky Point Trail, the Oxbow Trail, sections of Johns Lake Loop, Avalanche Lake, Hidden Lake Nature Trail, Barring Falls, Swift Current Nature Trail, and Running Eagle Falls at Two Medicine. So just endless opportunities for families and kids. Yeah. Yeah, I can see definitely Avalanche Lake. Knowing that one personally would be a great not too yeah, difficult. Yeah, it was very gradual along a beautiful bubbling brook to a beautiful lake. Um, all right. So does that bring us to the big adventure? Big adventure. All this right. is all you. Here we go. Um, a few options for big adventure at Glacier. The first one, you know, since the hike, the park is really known for hiking, has to be a backpacking trail, and, and that's Many Glacier Loop. This one has been on my list for a long time. I've been, you know, reading about it in Backpacker magazine <laughs> and just like salivating over the chance to do this 55-mile trail um, loop over four days, probably, and it just gives you an incredible amount of views of mountains, lots of glaciers. It's thirteen thousand feet climb in total. And then if you do it right, counterclockwise, it ends with the Highline Trail uh, for about you know, 10-ish miles along just under the Continental Divide. So we mentioned that earlier as being an amazing trail in itself, but I want to connect it to this larger backpacking loop. Um, so can't wait to do many Glacier Loop. The second... Uh, is biking going to the Sun Road, and I won't 
linger on this one because we mentioned there is you, you can either do it when all the cars are there, which is a little tougher, or try to time it for before the car uh, the cars are let in, and that is a fifty mile like west uh, fifty mile day about, and the best way to do it is west to east because at some points they close the um, actually 11 to 4 during the day, they close the eastbound lane to bikes. Um, so make sure you do your planning. And then last, uh, a whole different mode of big adventure again, whitewater rafting. And the best place to do this on, is on Flathead River. It has class 3 and 4 rapids, and you can do a single day trip or you can do multi-day trips. And they have an outfitter there that runs their own tours, but you can also, if you're experienced, rent um, rafts or inflatable kayaks yourself. So lots of good stuff to do. That gets me really excited to go back. All of this is getting me really excited to go back. And speaking of going back and making return trips, we're going to go ahead and get into our Q&A section which these were some questions submitted by you guys on Instagram at Switchback Kids. Um, you can ask questions about future parks um, uh, on our Instagram. So first question, is it worth going back for going to the Sun Road? When I visited, only the west side was open. Sounds familiar. Sounds very familiar. What do you think? <laughs> I think that there's so much more to the park than going to the Sun Road than um, just the going to the Sun Road. So if you feel like you were fulfilled in other ways, in hiking and in water and whatever else the park is all about, however, why not go back to the park? <laughs> That's what I think. So I don't know if you, I don't know if it would be worth it just to go back for the, the road and that, that experience. It depends on what else you missed out on. So like we feel like we missed out on some really cool hiking uh, that is available in the summer. So I would say we would go back for the whole like summer access. Um, but if you feel fulfilled in your trip, I don't know if it's necessarily worth it. My short answer would be yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's worth it. Yeah. Uh, people say it's the most beautiful road in the country. Yeah, so that's true. Hard to beat. Okay. Question two, what is the best time to visit to balance crowds versus things being open? Similar, that's on, and you know, in the, in a similar vein, um, but I would just say fall, mm -hmm. late summer, fall, like September. I think that's kind of the key for a lot of these mountain parks. We learned that the hard way when we visited a lot of mountain parks in May and June, and did not have a lot of access to things. Um, so yeah, that's my short answer. All right, what is the best glacier to hike to? So Glacier is interesting in that it's not very easy to see glaciers <laughs> at Glacier. Um, there's the, the most famous is Gr Grinnell Glacier that you can hike to. 10 miles round trip, day hike. There's also Sperry Glacier, Pegan Glacier, Sexton Glacier, Vulture Glacier, Two Ocean Glaciers. Those are all possible to hike to either the glacier or a view of the glacier. Pretty long hikes from like... Sperry Glacier can be only 2.6 miles round trip from Hidden Lake Overlook. It can also be 17 mile hike from Lake McDonald. Uh, so it just depends on what you're looking for, what um, 
you know, what, what kind of glacier experience you want, but the most popular is Grinnell for sure. All right. Is the park baby friendly? Uh, yeah. And it, it, you know, babies make great backpacking buddies. <laughs> um, but you know, I would say yes, as much as any national park is baby friendly, you know, it, there's lots of structures and kind of stuff in the park, um, that allows you to, to travel with a baby. Okay. Next question. What is the best place to camp off the beaten path? So we've mentioned a lot of these, but I would say if you're really looking to get off the beaten path, you got to get into the backcountry. So permits required, of course, but back there are tons of backcountry camping opportunities. Those two backcountry chalets we mentioned, and then river camping, which Cole kind of mentioned that you can do multi-day rafting trips, um, but there you do need a permit, but there's some, some uh, river camping opportunities that would be really cool. Okay, this is one I was wondering about, actually, so good did you question. Ask, did you submit this question? <laughs> yes. Where can I fly fish? And there is no permit required for fishing in Glacier, so that's rare. Um, you cannot fish in some specific areas, but most is open to fishing. And every area has spe- very specific regulations on what you can keep, how many fish you can keep per day, etc. And some water is also under local Blackfeet regulations. So just check carefully when you go. Yeah, the website Um, is very detailed. So it it has, it lists like 12 or so places you cannot fish, um, specific rivers and specific creeks and whatnot. Um, But it's, it basically has different um, different regulations for different areas. So really do your homework uh, and plan where you're going to go ahead of time. But there's tons of fly fishing opportunities in Glacier. Yeah. And of course you have everything from you know, the Flathead River, which is a big river, to all of those little ones that are going everywhere throughout the parks. So yeah, just do do your research on, on the park and and uh, what you want to fish for. Okay, so now we're in the final section, something to think about. And Elizabeth alluded to this at the beginning when she said, you know, when the park was founded in 1910, it had over 100 glaciers, and actually back in 1850, it had 150 glaciers. Now... The park has 26 named glaciers, and um, that is our something to think about. You know, these glaciers and how they are really an endangered species um, in the park because the climate's getting warmer and it's changing, and that has caused these 26 glaciers uh, to get a lot smaller since 1966 when they took a big survey of the glaciers. And since then, you know, over about 54 years, some have lost as much as 80%, 80% of the area. Uh, the average loss was 40% of their area. So, you know, the park is really concerned about this. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of people who point to glaciers specifically as one of the biggest, you know, indicators in our natural world within the U.S. of climate change. Um, 
And, you know, a lot of people are saying they want to visit the park before the glaciers are gone. We've heard that a lot. So it, it is concerning. And, you know, also besides just being something really pretty to look at, the glaciers are super important to the ecosystem. It provides drinking water for, for animals, of course, but also people who live in the nearby cities and areas. It provides, you know, water for the crops, not just the glaciers, but all the snow that the area gets. And it also provides, um, you know, the hydroelectric power. So with less water and drier climate from climate change, all of these things are in danger. Um, The park is working to combat global warming uh, and preserving the glaciers. They you know, are powered by hydro and solar power. They've installed recycling programs and are encouraging visitors and employees to explore the park on foot or bike rather than by car. I would add, use the shuttle if you can. So you know, it's a big problem and it's going to take big systemic change and political will to address. But at the same time, while we're waiting around for that, we can all do our part. So that is our something to think about, um, the danger, uh, the endangered glaciers at Glacier National Park. Yeah, if you ever needed physical evidence of climate change, Glacier is a the place to be. Yeah, actually, I just pulled a lot of that info from an article I read posted three weeks ago. There was a flurry of articles because they just came out with these pictures that showed the same spot a uh, hundred years apart uh, up in you know the mountains in Glacier somewhere, and the difference of uh, snow and glacial ice in these two spots was just so striking. And that's just, you know, one pair of pictures out of so many that they could show. Um, but when you see it, you know, in the landscape itself, it's, it's very alarming. Absolutely. So on that depressing note, (laughs) thank you all really. Thank you for joining us as we visited the U.S.'s eighth national park glacier. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love to hear from you on our website, website switchbackkids.com, or on our social media at switchbackkids. Yeah, tell us what you liked and what you want more of, and send us your questions for future parks. Next week, we'll be heading slightly south to Rocky Mountain National Park. Until then, Switchbacks switch out. out.